You are listening to Three Kitchens Podcast, a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. We release a new episode every Tuesday. Come join us for a new recipe and a good story. This episode of Three Kitchens is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Three Kitchens Podcast. I am your host, Erin Walker, and I am joined by Heather Dyer and Sarah Soma Sundaram. Hello, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Your pronunciation went back to sun. Oh, it oh, did. <laughs> no, that's okay. See, I told poor, you it was a habit. Poor ladies. She's poor listening ladies. so closely. No, I was just, yeah, I she was had so her surprised hands on the counter the last her time. eyes didn't blink. So Yeah, she know. was like waiting. Sarah, could you not just change your name to suit <laughs> oh, yeah. everyone else in the world? Like, come on. No. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. <laughs> All right. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, bad habits are hard to break. Okay. So, Heather. Okay. So, the other day, Aaron and I went to an exhibit called YYC Bread Stories. And for those who are not local and haven't clued into this yet, YYC is Calgary. So... <laughs> Calgary Bread Stories. Uh, YYC Bread Stories explores the power of bread, its presence in our community and history, and the many ways it has remained a constant in our lives. So this is a little exhibit that is at the Lougheed House, which is a a local museum, historical home. Mm -hmm. And it was set up in the basement, which used to be the family's ballroom, as we discovered. Yeah. And um, it's kind of a collection of little kind of stories that have been collected about bakeries and recipes and sourdough and yeah. um, a selection of stuff. It's a small exhibit. Oh, there was some sort of songbook for bread. Oh, yeah. you remember? And I was like, why don't they <laughs> it have was it all, open? Wasn't it all sourdough songs, I think? Ooh, I think it, it might have been. Were these incantations they had to sing while they made bread? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was in a it was behind glass yeah. and it was not opened. And I was like, I will sing anything in there if they will open that up for me just so I can look at it. <laughs> but alas. <laughs> so if, if you're curious about it and you're local, you can go to lawheathouse.com mm-hmm. and um, have a little look. They're also, um, they have a call for stories on the website. You can send a message to them if you have a bread story you want to share it seems like an ongoing project for sure is this exhibit going on for a long time it's um it's until june 26th so it's not it's not forever not forever and while you're there you can tour the lockheed house aaron and i had never been there oh my gosh yeah and it's just a historical home downtown like in the beltline yeah yeah 
And then we tried to figure out because over time it has been changed and there was an addition put on. There was some. Yeah. They like, had to update it to safety codes so that people. Some things were changed. And, yeah. And different people owned it. It was owned by yeah. the Red Cross. It was like a blood donation clinic or something That's at right. one time. And like there's different things. That, so there's some changes to the interior layout that we were trying to figure out like what the heck is with all these doors and all these rooms and like <laughs> yeah kind of funny yeah but it was fun. it's cool to imagine how people lived back then right like in a house that's still standing like oh that's the ballroom you said mm. that's pretty cool that they had mm -hmm. parties like that yeah and they have a cafe the original kitchen is and dining room are used for a little cafe and we didn't eat there but it smelled mm. really good at lunchtime we were there mm. and then maybe we could quickly say for lunch we did walk a few blocks over to the district at Beltline I think it's called it was Cinco de Mayo so we had some Mexican Asian fusion burritos yes. and oh just like so describe the setup to this place are there many different vendors and then you just go to one vendor I think okay. there's about five. It's like yeah. a little food court. Right. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait to go. It was delicious. <laughs> really good. So when we went to this exhibit, mm -hmm. so there were all these handwritten recipes and it made me think of handwritten recipes that I've inherited from my great grandmother. On your mom's or dad's side, Erin? On my dad's side. Let me give you a brief history. Okay. So this is not the Oma that we so, all know of who, no. who had the strudel this recipe. This is not the German side. This, this is the is other the side. Norwegian of the Norwegian side? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I am a good mix of Norwegian and German. On my dad's side, my great grandfather came over from Norway to Canada. Okay. My great grand mother she was born in the united states but mm -hmm. she was norwegian as well and she lived in a tight-knit norwegian community in minnesota mm -hmm. and then moved up to saskatchewan with her husband and they farm there okay and i was lucky enough i grew up with my great-grandmother she lived to be 99 she was born wow. in 1910 wow. yeah and so when my uncle passed away, there was a bunch of things that he had kept from my grandmother and from my great grandmother, uh, which kind of came down into my hands. One of those things is this black book that I think was an, it's very faded and you can't see it, but it says autographs on it. Okay. Gra great grandma's little black book. Great grandma's little black What's book. What's in there? Just kidding. <laughs> it's nothing but goodness in here. <laughs> So um, the Norwegian part of my family is the sweet tooth part of my family as well. Mm -hmm. I remember my great grandmother drinking her tea with a sugar cube in her cheek. Right. <laughs> so this little book is full of oatmeal cookies, uh, chocolate cake, <laughs> sour cream pie, sugar, 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 sugar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. However, on an envelope, she has a recipe for lefsa. So lefsa is a Norwegian flatbread that is made with potatoes and flour. So my great grandmother had one sister. Her sister had seven daughters. Mm -hmm. Seven daughters. Wow. That poor woman. That poor woman, right? <laughs> Imagine them as teenagers. Ooh. No thanks. Uh, so this was... <laughs> So this is her recipe. And so I didn't really recall ever eating it. Mm. I don't remember having it as a kid. So I called up my dad. Mm. <laughs> I said, okay, I want to ask you about lefsa. My dad remembers 
uh, my great grandmother making this because when he was a little kid, grandma would make lapsa. Okay. Hmm. Uh, my dad remembers eating this. You slather it with butter. You sprinkle it with brown sugar. You roll it up and you yeah. eat it just like that. That holds true to what I remember of my great grandmother. Sweet <laughs> yeah. sugar. Oh, the other thing my dad also said is he only really remembers them having this at Christmas and okay. occasionally here and there, but it was mostly just at Christmas. It was like a seasonal treat. I'm going to go for something different that is also Norwegian. Mm -hmm. And so from what I learned uh, on the Google, on the Google, yeah, the Google, more often than not, this flatbread would be made before all your potatoes started going. So you would mm -hmm. make it to preserve and stretch out your food mm -hmm. into the winter. Okay. And so lefsa would be made and then stored in a dry place because it could be kept for like years apparently the bread the finished bread the finished bread can be dried oh. out and saved and then soaked and heated to revive soaked it and heated okay oh, i see interesting mm -hmm. which is super interesting i don't think many people still use it and eat it like that but it definitely would have been what got families through sure harsh winters yeah in norway apocalypse yeah if you're a prepper doomsday's coming if you want to prep for doomsday I've got a recipe here that's going to make 80 lefsa. 80. You're going to make 80? I want to no. know how big each one is so we know what we're talking about here. Is it uh, as big as like a frying pan or is it more like a uh, little... I'm going to say like small tortilla. Yeah, okay. okay. Okay, so that's a lot. Yeah, it, it makes a lot. If you're going to make it, you're going to make a whole bunch. You're just going to spend the day hmm. making this and preserving. Well, if it keeps like that, then why wouldn't you, right? You can see yeah. why they made it in big batches. And it's a nice dry climate here. You right? could, yeah, yeah, you it, could it get could away with this, here. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, I think this is also served with the lutefisk. Ah, the lutefisk, yes. The <laughs> salt <laughs> it's a salt-preserved fish, I believe. Mm, okay. I don't do fish, so I'm not going to go with fish as the side. As much okay. as I'd like to just make the bread and sprinkle it with brown sugar and butter and call it good, I'm going to go down a different path. Mm -hmm. So something that was eaten a lot that um, my grandmother definitely grew up eating and uh, my dad remembers my grandmother complaining about growing up eating. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh no, you're not setting this up well. I'm not going to make this, but it was salted oh. pork. So okay. when they would uh, slaughter and butcher in the fall, they would preserve all their salt, all their pork and salt. And that's then what they ate through the winter. So my grandmother right. remembers this. I'm hoping to make something a little bit more appetizing than salt <laughs> pork. So mm -hmm. I found a recipe for something called Christmas pressed pork. And so it is a pork belly with the skin removed, mm -hmm. pork belly strips. Uh, you boil it with bay leaves and peppercorns for a couple hours, and then you are going to make a spice mixture of allspice, cloves, nutmeg, salt, pepper, ginger, five teaspoons of gelatin powder. Mm. Okay. You're going to mix this all together with the pork. You're going to layer your pork into a loaf pan. You're going to take any extra spices and about a quarter cup of stock from the pot at the end, mix it together and pour it over all the pork that you have in there. You're going to wrap it up. You're going to, they say using a nesting loaf pan, 
to press mm -hmm. on top of it oh, okay right okay. and put a weight on it and it's gonna go sit in your fridge overnight and set and, set. and solidify like oh god so you're scaring me <laughs> i am making something i'm i'm here to scare you you are with this recipe so then you are <laughs> going to serve this in thin slices you're gonna serve this on your lefsa. You can serve it with mustard. I am here to make everybody uncomfortable. I am going to also make my own mustard with this. Oh, fine. Okay, oh, this is that's good. fine. I like this. So this sounds good. The bread yeah. sounds good too. The bread. The mustard good. and the bread. I'm all for yeah. it. The jelly yeah. pork. I'm a little nervous about. I so, want to hear about making mustard. Let's yes. talk about that. We've got mustard seeds. Mm -hmm. mustard powder and then half a cup of liquid and this liquid can be anything from beer wine grape juice or just water oh okay mm. so you are going to pulse up your mustard seeds and your dry mustard you're going to add in your liquid of choice you're going to mix it all together and then you're going to add some vinegar to it it is suggesting an apple cider vinegar which i think mm. sounds really good mm -hmm. uh mix it up put it in your fridge let it sit overnight and it keeps for up to six months it says oh nice okay oh. how would you make it spicy maybe oh you could like add a hot mustard horseradish i bet would be really good anyway you just refrigerate it it sounds like an instant quick, easy mustard that you can make. Have you decided yet what liquid you're going to use? I or not? might try two. I like a more bitter mustard. I don't like a sweet mustard that much, so I don't think I'll go for the juice. But maybe I'll try a beer and a wine because I, yeah, I really like I'm, those flavors. I, I mean, I'm not a beer person, but my brain is going beer. Like yeah. I think a beer yeah. would be really good for the mustard. Yeah. yeah. And I won't make you have beets if you don't want oh it's so i will eat beets i'll I take beets eat. on mine it might help mask the pork jelly <laughs> <laughs> i'm making mystery meat you are you really it's are not mystery meat well we know what's in it it's not you a know, mystery like i think it's going to be definitely out of our comfort zone i hope to <laughs> change some opinions may it might be good who knows we might i think it comes down to texture because gelatin doesn't taste like anything so the no. flavors will still be the flavors it's the that texture that freaks you out right yeah yeah so hopefully <laughs> I can get you excited about this. Maybe my lead up here hasn't been the greatest. <laughs> but oh boy. Listeners, please join us for the second half. And please stick around. <laughs> Don't leave yet. Don't. Yes. We've got awesome bread and awesome mustard. Homemade yeah. mustard. When you talk about boiling meat, it kind of freaks us out a little bit. You know what? I'm going to keep an open mind because I love pork belly. I cook with it all the time. I'm excited and nervous, but excited. That's what this is all about, <laughs> yes. right? That's yeah. what makes this fun. And yeah. Um, yeah, so don't don't be. I know you're not, but but don't ever be put off by any of our comments and like no. facial expressions as you're talking because it will be good. I mean, even when I talked to my dad about this, he was like, he thought that this was a very like pioneer homesteady yes. recipe that that I'm going after. Right. You're preserving your potatoes. You're preserving your pork. Yeah. Kind of. This is this yeah. is definitely I mean, I think any of that food can be made good, but maybe some of it wasn't always the like you didn't write home about the pork. <laughs> 
But you know what? Your dad has good memories of the flatbread. Mm-hmm. And so. so this is the other fun thing that about getting recipes from your grandma's notebook is it's a list of ingredients. It has absolutely zero <laughs> instruction. So I don't actually know the method. <laughs> So I have a list of ingredients on an old envelope and I'm going to try and make this into something edible and mm-hmm. I will figure it out as I Exciting. go. Exciting. I am. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I, I am because this is so different. Yeah. I'm glad so you're different. doing it, even though we're giving you a hard time and freaking no. out a little bit about that meat, pressed meat, jelly, whatever. But it's <laughs> um, it's interesting. And I appreciate that you're doing something. Well, you know, do one thing a day that scares you. I'm making the food that scares me. You're eating the food that's going to scare you. I have a little bit of crazy running through my bread, too. (laughs) That was a 100% innocent slip. I have crazy running through my blood as well. Okay, well, do not edit that out. Don't get all heavy with the editing on this one because there's some good gems in here. With PodPower, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a PodPower shout out to Your Forest is a podcast about the natural world. Hearing stories about the environment, renewable resources, conservation, forestry, hunting, fishing, and more. This is a podcast for those who cannot live without the joys and wonders of all wild things. Find Your Forest wherever you get your podcasts or at yourforestpodcast.com. That's yourforestpodcast.com. Lefsa, lefsa, lefsa. What am I going to say about lefsa? Well, before we get into the dough, let's talk about the two other things that I attempted. Attempted? And are we going to then critique this right at the end or one by one? Oh, let's go one by one. I think each needs its own little... We'll try to keep it brief. You can just edit up the the tinkle of the ice in our glasses. That's all. Oh, here's mine. Oh, thank you. That was marvelous. I like <laughs> She mine. spilled on herself. I oh, think. She... <laughs> on, on the table, not on myself. I'm clean. For now. Mm. Yes. <laughs> we'll update you as we continue on here. So the uh, meat product was called. <laughs> Will you stop calling it a meat yeah, product? product. <laughs> it's a meat dish. <laughs> It's it's a meat pro it's like it's a processed meat. No, but does it sound right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it is called Christmas Press Pork and mm. I found this on the right. website called northwildkitchen.com. They have a Norwegian word that I'm gonna not pronounce. Just try. Let's uh, hear it. Julestilte. Fail. What do you say fail? fail? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, the, the Norwegian that I do know, I'm just going to say ufta, and then uh, we're going to carry What on. does ufta mean? It's like an exasperation, like oh. a ufta. Ufta. <laughs> so that, that's the only Norwegian that I do know. <laughs> All right. So I did this outside because both of you expressed an aversion to what the smell of boiled pork might be. Yes. And so on that advice, it was a nice day. I have a little side burner on the barbecue. So on popped the pot, it had uh, bay leaves and whole black peppercorns in there. So I did half as much as the recipe calls for just because I didn't want to make a whole bunch of this if it was terrible. Just in case. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I'm fearful. I, I, I'm cautious going into a new recipe like this. Right. <laughs> I should talk about the pork that was used. It was a pork belly, skin okay. off, and then yeah. sliced. So it kind of looks like bacon slices. Okay, yeah. So the ones that I cut up myself, I didn't, I don't know, my knife wasn't very sharp. I was struggling with it. So Hard I think I would have made a better cut on it if it was a little bit frozen, which I didn't really think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I bought a pack of the already sliced stuff. And so the pack of already bought sliced ones, because you can get sliced pork belly, you just pop in like that. That boiled for about two, two and a half hours. It was quite soft. It kind of smelled like I was boiling hot dogs. Okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, after you do that, you've got this spice mixture of allspice, cloves, nutmeg, salt, black pepper, ground ginger, and the gelatin powder. Uh, you drain out your pork, you sprinkle right. on the spice mixture, and then they come out in a nice long strip, and you're supposed to lay them in strips. Oh, okay. In okay. lay them in strips. Okay. Mine okay. was more, I strained out all of the pork. <laughs> And then put it in there because a lot of my pieces fell apart. Okay. I Well, you would think. Well, in two hours of boiling, I yeah. would have thought everything would have fallen apart. Yeah, it was it was yeah. pretty soft. Hmm. I probably boiled it a bit longer than they recommend because I see it says one and a half to two. And I would say I was probably more like two and a half. Okay. I was over two hours. But you take uh, enough water so that when you press on the pork, mm -hmm. it it forms like a log like the, the water right. rises mm. and then you put a weight on top of it to keep it pressed down as it cools and sets okay so mm -hmm. what i did was i put it into my loaf pan with parchment paper and then closed it up i then took a mason jar of water and put it on top but it wasn't quite heavy enough to press it down right so i cut out a piece of cardboard and then put the mason jar on top of that to press it Good a little idea. more evenly okay and then i tied elastic bands around my thing oh, to like really boy. press it Ooh. on but it worked great to compress it almost yeah, into a like, shape okay yeah you want it to be like a log that you can cut right oh i let it sit for two days in the fridge so that the flavors really came into nice. it i didn't want to make it like the okay. night before because i thought mm. the longer that the meat and the fat and these flavors and the salts get to like sit there with each other, I think the better it's going to be. So mm -hmm. it's that for two nights. And now I will put it out to the table. So it's sliced and it stays in these beautiful little slices. Mm -hmm. But it almost looks marbled, like little chunks make up the slices. Like it, it was a yeah. different, I didn't know what it would look like. And so I couldn't tell from that. I would not have guessed that was strips mm -hmm. like laid together. It right. looked like, I don't even know how to describe, like it's like little pieces all fit together. Yeah, I was trying to figure out like a mosaic. What this looked <laughs> yeah, like, like a little chunks all pressed together. Yeah, yeah, like like almost like a cross section of a fruit cake, except it was translucent with all the bits <laughs> and pieces in it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Some white, some you know pork mm -hmm. colored. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some of the darker golf. colors from the spice because they kind of clumped around, yeah. and right. there were yeah. little pockets of spice in there and then the fat and the i'm assuming the angele and a bit of <laughs> a bit of it but I, yeah there was not like big mouthful of jelly no it no really weird like, no it wasn't i i was nervous you know i was nervous <laughs> everyone does because they heard me in the first half go oh no gelatin i think we were all nervous we were all nervous <laughs> oh we were all super nervous <laughs> <laughs> but it really, there was only like the littlest bit I noticed on like a corner, maybe you'd have a little bit of like yeah. a jelly. I don't think that it was a negative thing at all. It wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. 
I think it totally worked and it was delicious and yeah. I love the spices. It was subtle. Like I get why it's called Christmas, but it wasn't like, yeah, it's not like over hit you over the head. This is something you eat at Christmas time. I think it was time. the cloves for me. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed it and I was not sure that I would. Yay! Yeah. Yay! <laughs> so with North, North European recipes, it's okay. a real hit and miss with me, right? Mm -hmm. Like I love certain things about like German food and, and then, and then I hear about things. Now I haven't had a lot of them. It's just from what I've heard. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, Aaron, what a fantastic, pleasant <laughs> surprise this was. Yay! Was such a pleasant surprise. <laughs> I enjoyed it. One thing that I loved about it was it didn't taste porky. Yes. It tasted yeah. good, you yeah. know, and, and then there was a, not a lot of gelatin around it. Like this is not a meat jelly. This no. is almost like a meat loaf, but with good amounts of chunks of pork belly in it. Like, right. you know, it's, it's not like to the point mm -hmm. of, I don't know what meat this is. There's meat chunks in this. Yeah. And it's just together, but you barely see the gelatin that holds it together. It's very soft. Yeah. Yeah. It cuts so nicely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this was a nice solid, but smooth. Smooth. Oh, very tasty. Too. There was it, no like weird. Yay. Totally, weird totally. textures. Like it was. Yeah, it was good. If, if I ever went to Norway and then I recognized the word, which I probably would not by then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would not be afraid to try this. This was good. Uh, mm -hmm. It is very Christmassy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I wonder if, you know, now with, with life sort of changing and everything international, if you could even just change those spices because that mm. was a beautiful thing. And I think it's not, yeah. not just a beautiful, like surprisingly successful recipe, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I thought she was going to say sexy. Sexy too. <laughs> Um, but it's such a great thing. Like, I wonder how it holds for hikes or travels, mm -hmm. or I think it's such a clean thing to cut and yeah. put in your sandwich. You can see why it was a, a way of preserving. Yeah. yeah. No, very good. I, I'm yeah. so glad you made this. This is yeah. really surprisingly good. This was a really fun, complete experiment. Did I, you I, like it, Erin? I you did. Like it? I did. I also agree about the could I just change up these spices? I do like the spices totally for Christmas, mm -hmm. but I would like to try something different and play with the spices. Mm -hmm, I'm absolutely. I'm 100% with you, Sarah. And how does this keep? How are you supposed to keep these things? I don't know if you looked into this or not. Oh, because you've right. asked a question I don't know the answer mm. to. That's a really great question. And I'll bet this would be easy to just store in the refrigerator. Because there is a point to this, right? Like, I mean, we spoke about the history about these, yeah. these Norwegian foods is what you made it in the summer so that it could last. This is like your cold storage for the winter, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, totally. Good, good, good stuff. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Smart. Yay. Yeah, smart. Yeah. This is this is such a surprise. I love this it. was a surprising <laughs> win. Yeah. They need yeah. a way to make it sound better in the recipe. <laughs> yeah. And not call it a meat product. Yeah, it's not a meat yeah. product. And a, and a great alternative to store-bought processed deli yeah. meat. Right. Yeah. Now, what did your family think about it? I'm gonna give it to my dad. Yeah. And he'll do a little yip yap with me. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I'm seeing them tomorrow. So I is have... he gonna do a yip yap on the for the podcast? I, I'll see if I can get him on. Oh, that'll yeah. be great. Get yeah. him to yes. say something. Yeah. Okay. 
Item number two that I gave you two of, because I tried two different recipes, was the mustard. So the recipe that I originally um, tagged on an Instagram post to use had, so mustard seeds that you grind up coarsely, not super fine. Uh, it has mustard powder, um, and then it has half a cup of any liquid you want to choose. So they suggested you could just do water, you could do grape juice, you could do wine, or you could do beer were the four options that they gave. So once you mix those things together, you then let it sit, it said for 10 minutes, and then add three tablespoons of a vinegar. Hmm. Um, so I made the wine one first, and I put it in the fridge, and I thought, you know, I'm going to make these early because they might be better if they sit longer. Right. Again, right? Let mm -hmm. those flavors come together. So I made it early on and then it sat for a couple days and I tasted it. And I was like, hmm, I'm not really liking the taste of this. <laughs> so <laughs> love when that happens. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. this is disappointing. <laughs> okay. So then I looked up online and looked at a variety of mustard recipes. The recipe that I originally looked at did not have salt in it. Okay. Mm. So then I dumped out the jars <laughs> and mixed salt in. Oh, okay. Yep. Later on and then rejarred it. Okay, so I did that and then uh this was at the same time while I was making the beer mustard. And so with the beer mustard, so with the wine one I did white wine and I did a white wine vinegar. Keep it all same same. For the one that I did with beer, I did beer and I did cider vinegar because I thought maybe, ooh, there, it'd be nice to have some sweetness in here, like after tasting the wine one. Right. And I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> I was going off of memory, which isn't good these days. <laughs> did you forget salt? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Instead of putting in three tablespoons of vinegar, like it says you're supposed to in the recipe, I put in a half a cup of vinegar. <laughs> so I tripled okay. the vinegar in the uh -huh. beer one. <laughs> <laughs> so it is way runnier. I'm sure you both noticed. The other mm -hmm. one's more thick and, uh, you know, like a mustard. And I don't really like either of them. <laughs> so what do you guys think? <laughs> so after all that headache, I was like, I really don't like either of these mustards that much. Yeah, like there's so a funny. lot of things I'm not super excited <laughs> with making the mustard. So I was like, Sarah, why don't you go first this time? Give me some feedback. My husband loved both of them. And I was very surprised cool. because the reason I was surprised is I found it very hot. Mm -hmm. So like it was very spicy. Mm -hmm. And you know, I love spicy, but it, it was almost a little bit like you got to use very little of it. Yeah. The beer, I didn't mind because mm -hmm. it was very familiar to me mm -hmm. flavor wise outside of the spiciness. The wine I liked because it was very unique. Mm. And what I did though was, so I took the rest of what you had made after I tried everything and I froze it. I hope it keeps in the freezer. Oh, they say you can keep it in your fridge for like six months. Oh, okay, oh. perfect. So I don't even have to do that. I think it was good. I think it was just too hot. Like I wonder yeah. what brings down the mustard spiciness. The, yeah. the hot, there was too the much heat. punch. Too much punch, too like, much heat. Too much horseradishy kind of heat. Yeah. But how do you bring that down? Any any ideas? I don't Heather? know. What did you think? I actually really like this yeah. mustard. Yeah. And cool. you know that I'm I have I'm not traditionally a big mustard. Well, I don't like plain old yellow French's mustard. I think it's like blech, gross. Yeah. But a good I have a spicy German 
mustard yes. that's a hot german mustard that i love on absolutely everything yeah right but when i first tasted it like a speck of it that's when mm. i texted you right away and said holy mustard batman <laughs> wow that packs a wallop like yeah that was to me it was wasabi i was like did she put wasabi in this mustard <laughs> it kind of burns your sinuses a bit that's yeah. what this was like this was like wow oh like the whole front of your face was like flushed hey it was like yeah. but i also but, <laughs> but i really good liked way. it yeah, yeah but i yeah. still even though it was like crazy heat yeah i really liked it and i liked it all together all the three right things yeah. i liked it with the meat like just yeah. a little chunk of that meat with a little dab of that mustard i thought it was delicious i really yeah. i loved it i thought it went together well i just I felt like something was lacking in it. I don't know. No, I didn't feel like anything was lacking it. I think I felt like no, something it's just was too, too spicy. much of it. Just too yeah. much spice. Yeah. So let's uh, let's do some more post second episode research. Yeah, like what made it so what hot? makes it spicy? Yeah. So interesting, hey? I, mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't know it was going to be like that. Mustard but is mustard hot, on its right? own. I thought like mustard what, seed is yeah, not Yeah, but crazy a mustard hot. seed isn't hot and mustard, and mustard powder, powder is not no. hot. And then I added a liquid and cider vinegar and salt. I liked it. I I think it it was really good. I really liked the wine. Which one did you prefer, Heather? I think I liked the beer actually. I liked the beer, yeah. Maybe like you said Sarah was kind of familiar flavor. Yeah. Maybe that was what I liked, but I honestly liked both of them and yeah I, I liked both of them yeah i will eat it i have it in my fridge and yeah it I'm, I'm already prepping a whole <laughs> meal around it <laughs> i want to play with them so maybe i'm gonna go back idea. to the drawing well i've already mm -hmm. got the base so i think i might start messing around with them a bit and seeing if i can get more i think Ooh. it was a great mustard just a little too hot wow is this like a groundbreaking moment i think sarah has asked <laughs> for the heat of something to be reduced. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then we come to the bread that I made. Lefsa. The recipe okay. here in front of you from the back of the envelope. Oh yes. From right. your from my great grandmother. Um her name was May Stovra. Thank you, May. <laughs> and I believe it came from her sister. Okay. So this was a big recipe. It recommended 10 pounds of potatoes to make 80 lefsa. I did not do 10 pounds or make 80 of these things. <laughs> I would not be here today to tell you about it if I did. <laughs> I've been waiting to hear this story. You gotta I think give that I give felt... some credence to these women oh. who did these things, eh? Like oh, that's why they had a lot of children and hopefully daughters to help them with all this right, shit in the kitchen. Right. Right. Who developed a recipe that big, though? Good God. Ones with big families. Yeah. I'm I guessing guess. you, if you're going to do that, you might as well do this. Mm -hmm. Number one. Go and, all in. Yeah. You know, the, the bigger, the better. I halved it. I used five pounds of potatoes, uh, one cup of melted butter, one teaspoon of salt, one and a quarter teaspoons of baking powder as two and a half teaspoons of sugar. And then three and a half, I'm going to say closer to four and a half cups of flour and half a cup of cream. Hmm. Mm. Last time I told you, I did not know what the process was. Oh, right. So I now know the process. Okay. <laughs> My mom sent me a website to look at and it was called Lefsa Time. I'll link to it in the show notes. Okay. And it had 
how to make lefsa. So I followed their directions. Uh, so the potatoes, uh, peel them and dice them and boil them. They don't have to be small, but just make them all the same size. So they cook right. up at about the same size when they're in there. Uh, once those are cooked, and I would say that took maybe 15, 20 minutes of boiling them in salted water, you drain them and then you rice the potatoes. So are you familiar with a potato ricer? Mm -hmm. I am. I don't own one, but... I don't either, but my mom always made them that way. Yeah, so it's a contraption that you just put your boiled potatoes in, and then it's got a lever that presses down on those potatoes, and mm -hmm. then there's a grate right. with little holes, and you just are pressing your potatoes through that grate and making it so that they're, it's not lumpy or chunky. It makes it right. even. Nice a bit like fine. rice. Even texture. Yeah. Exactly. And then you want to mix in, while the potatoes are still warm, the melted butter, salt, baking powder, and sugar. Hmm. And then you want to let it cool. Also known as do this the night before, <laughs> which I noticed in time. Oh. And I did them the night before. Oh, good. Oh, good. Good, good. Again, if I hadn't noticed that, I would not be here with you today. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the next day in the morning, they've been sitting in the fridge. They solidify a little bit. You want to stir them up so that they get kind of fluffy and mixable again. And so this was something I learned from Chef Michael Smith mm. is that when you're stirring together doughs and breads, it's often easier to use the handle of the spoon and not the spoon part of the yeah. spoon because mm -hmm. you kind of push your ingredients around when you use the spoon part of the spoon. And that can over mix and under mix really unevenly. And so he right. had this recommendation that you use the handle of the spoon and you do these like circles around and it really like it makes you into a bit of like a stand mixer because mm. you think about how small like a stand mm -hmm. mixers. Um, right. It's not a big spoon paddle on the end of it. Exactly. You want something yeah. thin that's going to move through there and break it yeah. up and mix things in. So this is really handy when you're making bread dough when you're making muffin batter so that you don't overmix but you still have good lumpiness when you're making um string hoppers from auntie pushpa this ah. was the woman who taught me this uh, trick as well yeah mm. it is so great to use the handle of your spoon to mix together these doughs and so this worked really good with um these potatoes that i had riced and then cooled you mix in the cream you mix in the flour and then you start kneading it together into a dough this was I could have looked up 55 YouTube videos and found out what exactly it should feel like and get more information. <laughs> and I just didn't because I was covered in flour already. We have pictures, listeners. I don't think I mixed enough flour into this dough is going to be what I think okay. when it comes to handling this dough. Oh my God, was this hard to do. Oh, this was I'm really sad to hear this. challenging <laughs> okay. because the dough... Like the amount of flour that I needed to roll out this dough, I swear to God, I probably went through seven cups of flour in oh, the wow. end. Like for the for all of including it, the three that I put into the recipe. Okay, I think, and that's where I'm thinking maybe I didn't add enough flour to my dough because I had to add so much flour to roll it out. Mm, right, because it would stick to the counter after yeah. one right. push. Right, right, okay, okay, and so. I was thinking to myself, I was like, geez, this is harder than making the freaking phyllo pastry that I thought was going to be hard. Like the phyllo <laughs> pastry was like easy compared to this. 
And that's when I remembered from that recipe, when I'm dusting my counter in that one, they recommend mm -hmm. using a mesh sieve so it evenly coats your counter. So I started doing that and that started making it a little bit easier because mm. I could get a really even, like you had to have a solid floured counter. Right. Any part oh of counter God. that came through right. would stick and then right. your your little okay. patty would be done mm. and you had to mesh and it together And you're saying again. it may help if you put more flour in this. Obviously you have not tried it. Yeah, I'm but... wondering because like um, once upon a time as this was being used, somebody changed the six cups of flour to seven cups of flour for okay. the 10 pounds of potatoes. Right. Right. Uh, so right. clearly they felt at their recipe level that it needed, maybe my more. potatoes were more wet than mm, their potatoes, right? right? Mm -hmm. Because I've heard different potatoes hold different amounts of moisture. Right. Um, I think I read somewhere that a russet potato is the better one for this because it tends to be a drier potato oh, once it okay. boils up. I didn't see that before I bought the 10 pounds of potatoes that I have, you know, three weeks ago that I'm using. I'm not going to just okay. go buy the... Right. Anyway. <laughs> so I'm going to say this was really challenging because I just made mistakes of not knowing. Oh, the other thing that was really helpful was one of those pastry scrapers that's oh, yes. your counter. Right, yeah. right. The, the flat... Yeah, sort of game metal ones. changer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so helpful in picking it up and, and moving it around. Mm. Right. This was a really challenging dough to make. Mm. I'm very interested now that I've gone through this to talk mm. to our friend who makes lefsa every year with her family yeah, because right. I kind of like diving in and doing things and making all the mistakes. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it's kind of fun. And yeah. sometimes when I talk to people or get too much advice, I tend to get overwhelmed and sure. then yes. I, or yeah. forget like just the basics of making the recipe because mm -hmm. I'm so thinking about the mm -hmm. technique. Anyway, yeah. so I didn't seek any outside advice, which I think would totally help me more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I thought I'd jump into this. And so I caused myself a little bit of grief yesterday with making all of these. Yeah. <laughs> How many did you make? Did you get 40 out of it? Yes, wow. I got 40. The other thing I changed is I have a it's really important to cook it on something flat. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it would have been a lot harder if I tried to cook it in one of my cast iron pans that mm -hmm. has the edges, just because right. I don't mm -hmm. know how scooping under and flipping it would have gone. Right. Yeah. It wouldn't have gone, actually. I can tell you. Right. <laughs> it would have been a disaster. So I have a pizza stone that I right. put in my oven, and I just... I was just opening and closing the oven oh, door constantly okay. because it cooked for two minutes on one side and one minute on the other side and then out of the oven it went oh and then I was God. rolling and then I was... And uh, what at what heat? Uh, at what heat, Aaron? So that was also an experiment. This recipe says 350. Left the time says 500. I was oh, like, wow. oh, well, thanks for giving me <laughs> a shot in the dark. So mm. I started at 350. I felt like that was too cool. I went up to 425. That seemed too hot. It was cooking too fast. I got some mm. that were quite crisp. So I settled at about 400. Oh, and that'll work for your um, smoke alarm not going off because if I put 500 on my alarm, that's done <laughs> here. Oh, but oh. I did set my smoke alarm off because there was so much flour right. that oh, was right. sitting on right. that pizza stone, which by the way, was fantastic for cooking these. Totally a great way to do it. But yeah, the pizza stone got covered with flour. And then as the flour was burning around the edges, oh, my yeah. fire was going off. And I, it was just a disaster. Yeah. Uh, so I also didn't do myself any favors by skipping breakfast and drinking only coffee. Mm. And then when two o'clock rolled around, yes. <laughs> I was a little bit um, angry. She, she showed up at the school. <laughs> I 
was like an animal is what I said to Heather. I was like, I feel like an animal. She ran up to the car and she was, she had the bag of food for Sarah and me. And she was like, this has been an awful day. And then she like ran away. I was like, thank you. Oh no. Oh my God. It was, big I just didn't have enough time mm -hmm. in my day yeah and again the reason like you're saying how they would make so many at a time they probably had a like a assembly a group line. of people even a community of people getting together and making yeah them it sounds like it's something you do together what do you think yeah. about it I thought they're great I, it's like a thin crepe almost but drier somewhere yeah. between a tortilla mm -hmm. and a crepe but less doughy i don't know it was like really hard to less stretchy less stretchy yes yeah i wouldn't say it alone has a whole lot of flavor i wouldn't have known if there was potato in there or what in there honestly it was kind of just mm -hmm. i mean it's yeah. a blank canvas Agreed. for sure yeah. It's yeah. very, it's like very, a, very bland. It's very just a <laughs> almost tasteless sort of bread. But when you put that meat product in there with some of that hot, hot mustard and roll it up. I was putting everything on there. I had apricot jam and oh, rolled yum. it up. I put yeah. peanut butter in there. I did the butter and sugar trick that you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really worth the effort, I think. Even though it's quite a bland sort yeah. of bread, I think you could do so much with mm -hmm. it. I am actually leaving some out purposefully and letting it get dry because I'd like to test out the whole soak it in water and heat it up right. to see yeah. how it bounces back because right. that's how they say that you can, that's why it was a good bread to preserve. As you had spoken about in the first half of this episode. Yeah. 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 So I'd like to actually test that. Apparently have a lot to get back to you about. <laughs> so I love flatbread. I love mm -hmm. flatbread. For me, it's not about the taste. It's about the texture. So I love very thin flatbread. My new favorite. <laughs> However, I think after you said about all the effort that went into it, because I was like, why isn't Safeway and freaking co-op and Superstore doing this bread? Yeah. I loved the texture. This yeah. is that kind of thinness that I like in even Indian breads like mm -hmm. it's it seems like it's really hard to do it's so, so. thin we could see the disappointment so. on Sarah's face when you talked about how it was like so much hard. so difficult she's like you know oh, what no. maybe difficult's the wrong the wrong word I definitely was time strapped I tried to Same do this you know if I if I took this on on a weekend I would not have been limited by the hours of 8 a.m and 2 30 and maybe not did three different things that you are thinking about simultaneously and how they're going to come together too right yeah I mean those mm -hmm. other things were nice I could make them ahead of time like I made right. the mustard quite early on again I made the pork like three or four days ahead so that it could sit like I knew those other things mm -hmm. were good to do and I guess that makes sense if you're doing this too as the meat preservation is you know you slaughter your pigs you butcher it all you made all your meat you get it all ready and then yeah then you do your potatoes and your harvest and you make mm -hmm. your bread yeah. and then you're like set for your winter season Right. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to say with this bread, 
you could really taste the butter that came through. Like it was, that's what I, I loved about mm. the flavors, the butteriness. Well then go and put a, well, not healthy, a generous amount of butter, heat it up a little bit and then sprinkle the sugar on and then roll it up. It's like a churro. <laughs> All right. I will do mm. that. I will do that. I put brown sugar on mine. It was like cinnamon toast, but like way better. <laughs> like, yeah. Which coming back to the first half is how your dad ate these breads, right? Yeah, that was the yeah. recommendation. The butter and sugar, yeah. Hello, this is Bill Irwin, and I've just tried Aaron's Lefse yesterday. Having Norwegian grandparents, I've had many Lefse over the years. Aaron's was slightly thicker than what I'm familiar with, but uh, with my usual slathering of butter and brown sugar, it tasted just as good. That's my family's yeah. legacy, the, nice. the sugar and the bread. <laughs> <laughs> and the sweets. Okay. No, well. um, um, Aaron, you did a great job. <laughs> and now for the fine print. Remember, when you like, subscribe, review, or share this podcast, it helps more people find us. Thank you so much for listening.